Indie animation with Trevor and Rob. With Rob speaking first, it's a fucking new day. Let's change it. Indie animation with <laughs> Rob and Trevor. Uh, and today we have my very good friend, Musay Brooker. Hello. That's Musay. You can hear his voice. He's coming through the computer because technology has advanced to the point where I don't know if you guys know this, but we can actually record a podcast and be in two different places and he can communicate through a computer. It's crazy. Um, we live in the future. Yeah. Wait, Musay, where are you Where are you broadcasting from? Where are you geographically? I, I cannot disclose that information. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, no, I'm in, uh, I'm in the L.A. area. In, uh, I am in uh, South Pasadena. Yeah. South the, Pasadena. You can tell that uh, Musay is a real city boy because... Uh, if he was not from the city, he would not have said, I'm from the L.A. area. He would have just said, I'm from L.A. But you become very sensitive to people being like, I'm from New York. Well, technically, I'm from North Jersey. But, you know, <laughs> basically from New York City. Um, exactly. Uh, do people still say via satellite? Or is that something that went out with, like, the 90s? When people – you remember that was, like, a big thing? Like, people had to show off their technology and say, like, like we have Musay via satellite. Right, because technically, right now we do have Musay via satellite. That is bouncing off at least one. Like, there's technically sailing through the space. Technically speaking, spacesphere. There's a satellite, and Musay is so as low rent as our whole setup is. Uh, <laughs> it feel I feel like I could brag via satellite. We have Musay. Um, so, all right, a little bit of background on Musay. Musay is an animator, animation director, animation supervisor in L.A. Uh, he's been working since the 90s. Was your first show Daria? Uh, that was my first uh, broadcast show. I, I, uh, I got a job right out of school in 95 for a CD-ROM company. Bam! Ooh, the future. <laughs> yeah, old. But was that also 2D, Musay? The augmented reality of the mid-90s. <laughs> <laughs> it was 2D, yeah. We were doing um, edutainment games ed for, was, oh, for ed kids. Edutainment. I thought, edutainment. I thought you said edutainment. I was like, that sounds like a real... That's some real ad speaker. Wait, so it wasn't It wasn't a leapfrog or leap pad? No, it was... Um, actually, the game that I worked on, worked on never... I don't believe it came out. Um, the company got bought, I think, before the game came out, and uh, and so it went away. But this is also this is a Philly company. It was a Delaware company, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They were they came to Career Day, and uh -huh. I had an interview with them. And uh, I thought this is a this is a terrible interview. What a waste <laughs> of my what a waste of my time. And, and then they they hired me like the next week. That's awesome. Funny. I feel yeah, yeah. like when Rob and I pitch shows in LA, the worst pitches are the ones that uh, we end up making a sale on. Yeah. The ones yeah. where, like, oh, they, they fucking hated us. And then you leave the room yeah. on other things where you're like, fucking, fucking nailed, nailed that. it, dude. Yeah, then they, they never call <laughs> yeah. you. They back. never call you. Is yeah. it, Muse, uh, I feel like you and Rob have a very uh, a similar past in that the two of you are formally trained 2D character animators. 
But for the last like decade and a half, you guys have both been making a living doing stop motion primarily, right? Yeah, I've been working almost exclusively in stop motion, uh, a little, little bit here and there with some CG and 2D stuff, but, um, mostly in stop motion for almost 20 years. Dear goodness. Which is, yeah, it's crazy. Part of the reason our paths are so similar is because I've just been stalking Moose <laughs> since, since like 1999. So. Yeah. Yeah, I don't actually even want to be on the podcast. He's yeah. forcing me. <laughs> to do this. There's a, there's this, uh, what do they call it? Uh, not kidnapping. Uh, extortion? Yeah, there's like an extortion Ooh. going on here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, well, uh, Muse, you, is it also accurate to say that, um, you and Rob have known each other for close to 20 years? Yeah, more, I think. More. We, we more. went to college yeah, right. together. We went to we school, went together. school together. That's right. You were an upperclassman, right? And uh, Rob was like one or two grades or years behind you? Yeah, I think I was a senior when you were a sophomore. Is that, that right? That sounds right. Yeah. Did yeah. you haze yeah. him? Did you make him drink beer and whatever? No, I didn't even actually drink beer in college. No. <laughs> so, no. Not a lot of not a lot of frats at our art <laughs> school. No. <laughs> There's no frats. No frats. School, so. <laughs> No campus. The campus where those yeah. dirty streets of Philadelphia. So I think, yeah. Why don't we, why don't we go a little bit into Musay's past? Yeah. So so one of one of the things one of the things I like to do on here, Musay, is uh, is talk a little bit about um, the series of unfortunate events that led you to your career because I think one of the one of the things we find as more and more of us talk about this stuff is that it did not go as planned. It just went as it went. And I think I wish someone had told me that when I was in school would have saved yeah. a lot of heartache. But, uh, yeah. so what, when, how old were you when you decided that you wanted to, to be doing animation? Uh, I believe I was five years old. What? Five years old. Holy cow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Tell us. There sounds like there's a story that goes along with that. Yeah, I mean, I don't, five is what I can trace it back to. Basically, uh -huh. um, I don't remember wanting to do anything else except um, be a fireman. Mm -hmm. <laughs> One to <laughs> and five, by, and, <laughs> and by five that was gone. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. There's... I um, I just always loved cartoons, and I wanted to make them. So. Yeah. So for my entire life, I've, uh, this is what I wanted to do. So I, you know, I never, never necessarily wanted to, or thought that I would be doing stop motion. That, that's more of a, a bit of an, uh, not an accident, but, mm -hmm. uh, just sort of happened. But I always wanted to work in animation or comics, something like that. Mm -hmm. Where, 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 where geographically are you at five years old? Are you in Philly? Are you born and I'm raised in Philly, Philadelphia? Yeah. I am uh, West Philadelphia, born and raised. <laughs> I'm not going to finish that for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we might have to pay some residuals for that. Yeah. Uh, but um, yeah, born born in West Philly. My dad um, was and is a painter um, and a college professor, art professor. Uh, my mom um, is a retired school teacher. And... Um, and my stepmom uh, is a retired um, art administrator. She worked at the Philadelphia Art Museum. So 
um, art was always in my life, always around. Um, and uh, for some reason, I just I just loved I loved watching cartoons, watching Saturday morning cartoons that don't really exist anymore. But um, and just just love watching them and um, knew that I wanted to do that. Yeah, didn't know exactly how to do that, but. Um, was there a cartoon in particular you can remember from that long ago, or like you like a like different cartoon? Do you remember specifically cartoons that you were super into that that may have helped kind of kick off this inspiration? Yeah, I mean, I loved I loved all the Disney stuff. Mm-hmm. I loved the Warner Brothers stuff. Um, you know, I discovered stuff like Tex Avery when I was a little bit older. Mm-hmm. Um, loved that. I um, yeah, I, I, I loved. Uh, Hanna Barbera. Mm-hmm. I loved Scooby Doo. Um, I, I was a big fan of Mighty Mouse. Back yeah. in the day, old school Mighty Mouse. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I just I just ate that stuff up. I loved it. Yeah. And uh, I, I remember <laughs> I remember the, the tragedy of realizing at some point I kept, you know I continued to watch Saturday morning cartoons. And then at some age, maybe it was middle school or something, everybody else just stopped watching them. Yeah. Uh, but I just, I kept watching them. That's when that shit becomes like drugs, where you start <laughs> start sneaking, yeah, sneaking cartoons. But didn't Saturday morning, I mean, it started to fall apart, uh, basically, Captain Planet? Was that like the, around the time when Saturday morning cartoons stopped being Saturday morning cartoons? I don't know. Uh, they had a, yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead. You We interrupt each uh, other on this show. I <laughs> Listen to me. Um, I um, I don't remember when Captain Planet was. Was that late late eighties, early nineties? I think I it was know. like early nineties. I would say late eighties, early nineties. Yeah. I I remember because you were mentioned Mighty Mouse, and if yeah. I wanted to see those early cartoons, those started at like five thirty. See, but so yeah. for some of us, we had so I think also one of the things that I'm learning. Uh, is that on the West Coast, maybe people didn't have uh, UHF channels. They just had VHF channels. We had one um, UHF. Channel 49 out here was our one UHF channel. We had a ton. We had at we least... Had like three? Yeah, we had like 17, 57, 29, and at some point we had 48, I think. Back in the day, yeah. 48. Yeah, I think we literally had one. We had yeah. one UHF, yeah. And so we I had Weird Al where, Yankovic's movie. All those, amazing. if you think about all those channels having to do programming that's cheaper that's like warner brothers cartoons and the reason that they were on early here and they were on early there too i'm making a broad generalization but i'm just saying that like there was a whole lot of older shit that we got to watch because it was on those channels because it was cheaper because those were library new stuff exactly just like yeah, yeah it was filler um, to get to Captain Amer- America Planet. Right. Or whatever right. it was. Right? You know, you got Dungeons and Dragons. That's got to be a network oh, show. Yeah. Right? And Monchi Cheese <laughs> and Thundercats. And anyway. Uh, and just to, just to, uh, just to um, uh, add on to what you were talking about, Musay, I literally yeah. me- remember it was seventh grade for me yeah. that cartoons became lame for everybody else. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I was real into DuckTales. And oh yeah, I had That's to, the after school right there, and I had yeah. to be all secret and shit about Ducktales. Yeah. I was yeah. so into Ducktales. This is the thing: is that I feel like uh, Musay and I share a lot of uh, like a kinship on a, a number of things because I think there's a number of like weirdo things that we both uh, did or went through or, or can relate to. Um, so you may have not done this, Musay, but I can. I think that you'll relate to this idea: is that <laughs> I, first of all, as a kid, I had a lot of time 
and time was something to get through. So it wasn't like as an adult, I'm fighting against time. I never have enough time. Yeah. But as a kid, there was a lot of time where I was like, fuck, I got to get through some hours. And one of the things that I did was I tape recorded cartoons. I had a cassette tape where oh, yeah. one half was DuckTales and one half was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. You mean just the audio? Just the audio taped yeah, off yeah, the yeah. TV like a maniac. And I would. Well, we didn't. I didn't have a VCR for a little bit. No. So yeah, I would, yeah, I would tape. I would tape like Scooby Doo, like mid episode. <laughs> like you had to go somewhere, and I needed to know how the storm was going to hit. So I would tape. I would tape mid episode. Leave it in front of the the television. Yeah. Not you know no direct injection. Just. Scooby Doo Doo. Yeah. 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 Totally. Uh, I just as this is only tangentially related, but I didn't have a, I didn't have a duplication boombox. My sister had a boombox and I had a boombox. So when I wanted to make a copy of my cousin's Transformers the movie audio cassette, I pushed play on one boombox and record on the other boombox. High quality recording. That was good enough. That was good enough for me. Yeah. Anyway. I, um, just as a side note, I remember I went to the theater with my dad. My dad took me to the, to the movie theater. Uh, I believe it was, um, 13th and Chestnut thereabouts. Yeah. Um, I think it was a Sam Eric theater at the time. Yeah. We waited in line and saw Transformers the movie. Mm-hmm. Packed house, old school, old school, like Philadelphia movie theater, giant screen. Yeah. And I remember the audible gasp when the Transformers <laughs> cursed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He yeah. goes, uh, he goes, oh shit, we're not going to make it yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My mom said, what did he say? Yeah. yeah exactly. And I was like, yes. <laughs> I was very excited yeah. about that cursing and yeah. the death and the violence. It was real. Somehow it was real. Yeah. It was like real. That was, you know, it's for adults. That yeah. is content for adults. So yeah. I, I wanted to um, I wanted to ask you about something a lot. One of the one something that's very common among uh, people that get into the arts is they don't come from uh, a family in the arts, and there's a lot of pressure to do something else. You know, like yeah. uh, a very I, I've heard a lot of friends where it was like you know. Uh, my mom wanted me to be an accountant and it was, you know, they still give me a hard time about going to art school and blah, blah, blah. Was, did you, do you think you got more support because your, your family is kind of a family of the arts? Um, yeah, I would, I would only assume that I did, you know, I never felt pressure to not, to not do art. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, truthfully, I never felt the pressure to do art. It was just something that I, I always enjoyed. Yeah. And so, you know, it was always around, you know, I grew up going to my dad's gallery shows and sort of eating cheese and crackers and sitting and watching the adults look at the art. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, 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 you know, I don't know what it would be like to have a family that isn't supportive. And, and, and my mom is not an artist, but she was always supportive. So yeah. it was never, they, I never felt pressure to do anything but my best at whatever I wanted right. to do. Right. 
Did your no. did did your dad look down on animation as like? You no, know, he's a serious he's a serious painter. Is this yeah. Mickey Mouse bullshit? No, my dad no. loves animation. Okay. Yeah, no, no, right. no, no, no. He he um, I mean, he introduced me to Ray Harryhausen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we would watch Saturday morning on probably on Channel Seventeen or Channel Fifty Seven. We would watch you know those old monster movies. Yeah. He um, he took me to see Star Wars, uh, Superman. He loves that stuff. Okay. Um, he's a big Trekkie. So he liked sci-fi, and and he was a big. Fl- we used to watch the old school Flash Gordon oh, on yeah. Sunday mornings yep. and watch uh, and, and eat pancakes. He'd make some pancakes. So. Did you ever? Did yeah. you ever? Did you ever watch the? Did you ever watch the filmation Flash Gordon? Yeah. That was yeah. an early morning. That was one where we had to on Saturday mornings. You had to get up real early, and filmation did like a version of Flash Gordon in color. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember yeah. thinking it was. Amazing, and I wonder yeah. if I went back to it now, if I would think but not it was, quite. It was amazing. filled with special effects. You had like a lot Probably of smokes and flashes amazing. and stuff, right? And miniatures. No, 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 no. This was animated. Oh, it's two D. Yeah, this oh, was this like two D. Yeah, filmation is like He Man and and Star Trek: The Animated Series and and yeah. oh, no filmation or Fat Albert is a filmation hey, show. Dustin, can we cut that part out where I sound ignorant? <laughs> no, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna loop that part. We're gonna loop. That'll be our promo. Right Ooh. there. <laughs> Somebody wants to join yeah, the park. Oh. One of the last, if not the last, they were one of the last studios that kept animation production in the States. Yeah. They were one of the last. And that's not, they didn't do Fat Albert. They didn't do Fat Albert. They did do, see, oh my God, I just made up for my ignorance. Yeah. With, okay, there, there <laughs> yeah, we go. Filmation totally did Fat Albert. Yeah. Not the yeah. original. Yeah. So the original yeah. Fat Albert was a, was a, uh, a, a special. It was one special called Hey, Hey, Hey. It's Fat Albert, and it was, it's been lost. Cosby locked it away, and yeah. the only way you can see it is if you go to. I think the archive is in New York, and they'll screen it for you if you go in person. Uh, that's right. But you cannot right, watch right, it any right. other way. But it looks totally different. But you saw it, didn't you? When I've, you went no, to New York. I've seen, you saw it. I haven't seen it yet. I've just seen clips. It sounds like the most amazing thing ever. They hired, <laughs> like, they hired animators from all the major studios. Uh, they animated with grease pencils on uh, uh, on cells, so it has a very kind of like loose kind of '60s look. And they couldn't afford backgrounds, so they used photographs, and it's photographs of Philadelphia street scenes. It Ooh. sounds like fucking gritty, amazing, like yeah. gritty Philadelphia street. Yeah, scenes. but also a level of like polish because you have instead of having like filmation, which is this like TV animation company, you had they built a studio basically four walled a studio uh, with with um you know with all black artists uh and the just the best animators in in Hollywood and made of this very like you know all much five more, of them all five right? of them but what, but what are we talking about yeah, we're talking about early early 70s it's like late, late 60s. 60s i think it's 69 or maybe 70 yeah. and actually and Herbie Hancock did the soundtrack and Bullshit. it's like prime Herbie Hancock era. It's like headhunter type era. That's amazing because there are so many opportunities for all that to go wrong. Like there's so many opportunities yeah. for them to be like, oh, we're just going to outsource to some company we've never heard of, you know, in some other country. And like Cosby has the idea for a show, but then the animation comes back and it's pedestrian and it's Cosby, Cosby also had a lot of clout. And the reason yeah. that that yeah. show got made was because Cosby had, this is like, this was like, 
again, prime Cosby yeah. era, right? And no, he, it's, but it's pre Cosby show, so it's pre Cosby show, but it's but it's uh, it's it's post uh, I Spy, and it's when he was yeah. doing his movies, and he yeah. was like he was the he was a darling at that point, yeah, and I yeah. think. He, I think he had a he had a lot of control over this, and I think the problem with it was that it didn't look enough like Saturday morning cartoons. And I think what Cosby wanted was was for something to look just like everything else that's on TV, but to have black, black kids in it, right? Yeah. So that so that people would see. But do you felt do you feel like the live action backgrounds are what actually set it apart from Saturday Morning Feel? I think also the the grease pencil. It's and very kind of it's very kind of like loose. But it sounds amazing. You can see and, some clips of it. But them going around and like grabbing American animators, I think, is like a really good step one because there there are examples out there right now of famous people like Cosby. They want to do animation, and then every decision after wanting to do animation is like half assed, and yeah. you end up getting what ends up looking like flash animation, right. even though you have like these great A-list people attached to it. Right. Um, yeah. So that, that's great. Good for him. Yeah. It's surprising that it's locked away and that you can't see it. Yeah. Well, I think he was very adamant about it. Yeah. Um, you can buy the soundtrack though. The record is available and it's great. No shit. Yeah. yeah. And you can search online. You can find stills. You can find this teeny yeah. tiny There's a couple gift. of short clips. Yeah. Nothing, nothing too big. Yeah. Wait, I do want to say, uh, I, I just want to make clear, good for animation that it was, it felt like it was done, it, they took the right steps for the animation. I'm not saying good yeah. for Cosby because I know he's in some hot water and... <laughs> And I don't... Oh, what? What? He's what? <laughs> you know, I just want to say... Whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't... No, uh, no, but it's not. It's not. Uh, it, the the thing is, is that it was. It I'm, was I'm backing up animation in this conversation. And also, it was not. The Cosby's not the only person that worked on this thing. This was yeah. a, a lot of super talented people that have nothing to do with Bill Cosby worked on this thing, yeah. and th- and that's why it's as great as it is. I mean, I. It's one of those like you know as a as a kind of collector and hoarder of things. It's one of those holy grails for me that I would really love to see at some point because i think it does it sounds so amazing but where did you guys see the special like where the fuck did this air like it was on tv oh no no for sure it was like a abc special yeah i think so no i I, yeah i think it was a big primetime deal there's a there's a a life magazine i think did a huge spread on it at the time that's where you can get to a lot of the art um This is like the genesis of like the Simpsons, where it's like it started off as this one-off, totally, and then became this like amazing thing. Yes, yeah, yeah. And I think even with uh, now we're going down, we're doing uh, deep cuts on Fat Albert. We need to back out of it, but uh, you know, even with the with the Fat Albert show, it was never supposed to be for all of America. Not to say that they didn't want it to be for all of America, but. They no one thought that it was going to be the hit that it was. They the 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 assumption was that it was going to be for inner city kids, and then everybody liked it. Everybody watched it, and all of a sudden they realized what a big show they had, and then it became the phenomenon yeah. that it was. But it was like it didn't the 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 people that made it in the beginning, I think, were just trying to get it done. And but not- did it feel like you guys being you and Lucy being from Philadelphia did? Having a local, I mean, celebrity is not the right word, but having someone who 
contributed to animation in that way with Fat Albert. Did that help influence both of you guys in terms of like making animation feel more realistic? Do you know what I'm saying? Of like, you guys could do it because like your hometown gave birth to, um, you know, to Fat Albert. I'll I'll say for me, and then I'll let Luce answer. But sure. for me, it's not. It wasn't. Uh, I wasn't conscious of any of that stuff. It was almost like, like my reaction to it would be just like the rest of America, which was like, I knew that he was from Philly, so that's one. But you didn't see him part. at the Seven Eleven buying Slim Jims, no. or whatever. Yeah. And, and and seeing the or the Wawa, see, yeah. <laughs> Wait, what is that? Wait, what was that? Or the Wawa? Yeah. Is it the, the Wawa, Wawa is that a corner market? The Wawa is is like the big. It's like the it's like the plaid pantry in Philly. If everyone loved yeah. the plaid pantry, like Wawa is such yeah. a fucking big deal. Oh, word. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um. So that's where you saw him buying some gyms. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yo, I saw him buying a hoagie. Um, <laughs> is that how some people speak in Philly? <laughs> it is. I just got, you know, I love Philadelphia. I do not love the Philadelphia accent. No, it's not good. <laughs> Although, the more I think about it, the more y- y- any city, I feel like, yeah, when the accent gets really thick, not a big fan. Don't love it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. But, uh, ooh, thank you. Um, so I think more more for me it's it's in hindsight that my kind of like love for Fat Albert as a thing has grown so much is that it's it's more that like after I saw it and I look back on it um and I see kind of the difference that it made on a bunch of levels is you know why why I love it so much but I think at the time I, it was just it was just a show that I liked but there were lots of shows that I liked so yeah I actually um, it, it didn't really influence me I mean I, I knew that it was from Philadelphia I knew that Bill Cosby was from Philadelphia um, but I never really made the connection you know I know I heard stories about people that knew the real Fat Albert and all right. that sort of stuff um, but I you know like it didn't I actually I wasn't a huge fan of Fat Albert growing up because it felt too preachy to me. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, I, I sort of admire what he was trying to do and, and, and all that sort of stuff. And I, I did watch it. I like the musical numbers a lot. I, I yeah. love that aspect of it. Yeah. And the, um, but I never, I, I was, you know, I, you know, I sort of hesitate to say, but I, I just didn't, I was, even as a kid, I felt like, oh, there's lessons. Right, yeah. right. Like the <laughs> whole, was... the whole show is the is the that little thirty second that they would add on to GI Joe just to make it palatable. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, Fat Albert gets the whole episode gets into that. Yeah. The whole episode is knowing it is half knowing is the full yeah, battle exactly. But one so but the other thing that one of the things that that I think was great about it was a bunch of character stuff that you didn't see anywhere else. Like yeah, the oh, characters absolutely. talking trash to to each other in a that in a in a way that's kind of like everyone's friends like it fraternal? unites you yeah yeah uh yeah. you didn't see that in cartoons no um, no, no and no, and no, i think no, that no. that was that really rang true to me as a kid and then the other thing yeah. this sounds really stupid but the the whenever they would show them walking everybody had a different walk that yeah, that's great. i that, feel like i that that's kind of burned into my memory that resonated big time yeah. for me when i was a kid um when you compare it to a lot of other shows where uh, where there's 
where you don't get that kind of like style or flavor to the characters. You just have exactly, yeah, because the producers like get this walk cycle done, and so you just duplicate the same walk cycle for every character. And I love that there's a character named Weird Harold, which is a fucked up thing to call somebody. (laughs) (laughs) That's actually segue. We don't have to segue, but just as a a side note, it's one of the things that I uh, when I talk to my students, I tell them, you know, there's. In theory, there's really no such thing as a generic walk. Every character should have a different a, a different walk, a different way of moving, depending on their personality, their body type, and the situation that they're in. Yeah, you know, we we there there are generic walks for the sake of learning how to make something walk. Right. But every character, every person, every creature has a slightly different gait, and and the more specific you can get with that, the truer you can bring to the character. Yeah. And I, I think to me that also that reson- that that expands out to a broader animation note, which is uh, when you get into an animation situation and you find yourself uh, falling back on your tricks, your bag of tricks. That's that's yeah. when you know that you're hacking it through, and you need to yeah. like yeah. figure. You need to like inject some real humanity into what you're doing. Um, yeah, because I've done that. Plenty of times where yeah. <laughs> you watch the character and you turn, if you turn the sound off, it just looks like this dumb dance going over and over again. And you're like, Oh, right. That's just because I did what I knew would work here. This formula right. that I've developed, but it's not based on anything. Yeah. And, yeah. um, the real, the really great stuff is it doesn't, you know, I could, uh, I do care about smoothness, but I, I care less about smoothness than I do about like actually having some sort of like heart motivation behind what's going right. on. Right. Well, yeah, I, but I, I, Musa, right. I, I, I've got a question for you, sir, is sure. the, um, you have been, you've been animating for the better part of 20 years. How the hell do you have time to also be a teacher? <laughs> um, well, <laughs> sometimes it's tough, but, um, uh, I teach in the evenings. Um, and so sometimes it makes for, for long days. Right. If, um, you know, I'm working on a project and I have a full 10, 12 hour day and then I got to teach at night. Um, but, um, I, I actually really love it. Um, and in, in a lot of ways it sort of gives me, you know, it's sort of like, uh, I'm keeping up with the kids, you know, I keep, I'm in touch with, people that are learning and still have the excitement and still have the, uh, the energy and the focus and the drive to try new things that aren't sort of stuck in a set way of doing things. And I think that that's really exciting to me. And I feel like the two sort of aspects of my career help each other. I feel like I'm a better teacher because I'm still actively working. I have a career where I'm making stuff and I'm pursuing projects and I'm developing and writing things and, and producing them. And then I think, you know, it, it, um, you know, it really helps, uh, my career doing that to be in touch with people that are, that, that love it in sort of an innocent way about, um, animation. And they, they're not, you know, sometimes there can be a real like cynical jaded side to the industry. No, no I know. I was like, no you way. don't say, what are you talking oh, about? Oh are you talking, are you talking <laughs> about this podcast? <laughs> so I, I, you know, for me, it, it, just it, come it, out and say it, Musa. You don't have to fucking <laughs> dance around yeah. the bush. Uh. For me, it, you know, it, it energizes me and keeps, you know, keeps that side alive for me. And I think that's, that's really important and it helps inform my work and 
you know, I've had the real pleasure of being able to actually hire some of my former students and help them get internships and all that sort of where, stuff. Where, Musa, you work in Sun Valley primarily, right? No, no, no. I, I work all, all across L.A., so it just sort of depends on um, the project. I have spent some time in Sun Valley. Um, <laughs> that's the first time I met you uh, in person. That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I work all over LA. I, I spent some time in Culver City. I've worked in downtown. It sort of depends on the project. You know, I'm not, I'm not, um, contracted or tied to a specific studio. So you're a free um, agent. I'm a freelance. Yeah. But you're, so, um, so I heard a rumor that you're one of the best animators in the world. Number one, um, <laughs> number True story by multiple parties. I, I am the one who told you that. Oh, was it? Oh, were you? Were you half the <laughs> party? It was a good mask. But where? Uh, so, so true story. There's people uh, talking, uh, talking good stuff behind your back. Wasn't me. And so. it was. Yeah, it wasn't. Well, right. I know it wasn't Rob. <laughs> <laughs> um, but where? Where are you teaching? Or where have you been teaching? Um, so I taught. I currently teach at USC uh, in the animation with John C. Hitch. Um, oh hell yeah! Division, yeah, division of uh, oh boy, I should get the name right. It's in the animation department. But, um, so you're teaching uh, at USC. Division of animation and digital arts. That's what it is. That's great. And, and have you always been uh, teaching at USC, or were you teaching at different institutions before that? Before that, I taught uh, at CalArts um, for I think about three, three and a half years. I, yeah. I went to CalArts and I actually started teaching. Um, I started teaching while I was still a student at CalArts, um, uh, in part because I had, before I went back to grad school, I had all this industry experience where I worked in Portland and in San Francisco and even down here in LA, um, but I decided to go back to school, um, wanted to work on some of my own stuff, and I wanted to teach and wanted to, to, to learn CG because I had done it almost exclusively stop motion. Um, professionally, so I went back to school, CalArts, um, had a great time there, um, and then um, because I had had all that industry experience, they were looking for someone to teach a, a stop motion class, and I, they asked me if I wanted to do that, and, and I said yes, and so I did. Dude, that's insane. Uh, oh, wait, yeah. can I ask one quick follow-up question? Sorry, Rob. Yeah. Rob Rob's got a question too. Gunning. Um, uh, <laughs> when you were at CalArts, does that mean that you were animating in Maya? Is, was that your career at CalArts? Yeah, I mean, I did a little bit of everything. You know, I was in um, the graduate program was in the experimental department. So, you know, I don't know how much you know. There's two animation departments mm -hmm. at CalArts. There's what's called the character animation department, and uh, then there's the experimental animation department. Right. And they have slightly different emphases, slightly different curriculums, um, but the graduate school is only, at least as far as I know, maybe that's changed since I was there, but. At least when I was there, it was only in the experimental program. I wouldn't know it. I wouldn't know. I didn't get in. I housed in the experimental program, even though I didn't really do much stop motion when I was there. Again, part of the reason I was there was to sort of learn Maya, learn some CG stuff. So I did I did a little bit of that, but I dabbled. I did some 2D. I did you know a little bit of uh, stop motion, but not a lot. If you were thrown into the ring right now and you had to animate in Maya, if you had a character that was already rigged and everything... Could you do it like right this moment? Uh, it might be a little rough, but I could I could probably do it. Yeah, that's 
Yeah. Fucking badass. Of course he could do it. It's a bit like it's a bit like learning to ride a bike. You know, yeah. it's, right? Um, you know, good animation is good animation, and sometimes it takes a little bit longer to to get to know the tools. Yeah. But you know, it's uh, I've certainly <clears throat> done it before. Um, for me, um, and I love CG animation. It's not that I, I don't love it or I don't want to do it. Uh, there's a frustration level that I get because I am so used to and like the tactile nature of stop motion. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's like I, I got to get through all these like things where in stop motion I can just move the thing. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, I, yeah. I don't have to. There's no interface that I have to do. It's yeah. like I, if I need to move the thing or resculpt the thing, I just do it. And and that's what sort of got in the way of me um, maybe doing more do you, CG stuff. Do you also, but, uh, do you sometimes feel like a little bit frustrated to when you're, when you're in CG that you have to hold off on, on finishing it? Like, uh, like for me, one of the harder parts of the adjustment in CG is that like you're, you're all you're working into finishing the shot, so you're setting keyframes, and then you're setting breakdown frames, and then you're offsetting keys, and then you're moving tangents, and you're like, you're like trying to keep it organized until you're close enough to being done with the shot that you start kind of really refining things, and yeah, and and from uh from the stand mo- stop motion standpoint. Since you're going straight ahead, when you're done, the shot it's done. So you're like, right. you're never trying to like orbit around and then zero in on the shot. You're just doing it straightforward. And I, for me, that was always like a hard thing. Like I want to, I feel like I don't know if this shot's working until I finish it. And then I, ru- if I rush into finishing it, then I'm like, oh no, I fucked that up. And then I got to go backwards. Yeah. So like. Wait, yeah. You know, it's funny when, when um, people that aren't animators realize that I do animation and stop motion specifically they all almost without fail they say oh wow you, that you must that must be uh must require a lot of patience you must be really patient and i actually feel like it's just the opposite i yeah. feel like especially in stop motion i am not patient because I just, <laughs> if the shot is done it's done yeah and, yeah you know that is that is part of the process of both 2d and and cg is the passes that it takes yeah you know there's other things that you're doing in passes, whether it's design or whether it's, you know, um, animatics or whatever in, in stop motion, but, but the animation process itself is very instantaneous. It's more it's like live like theater a performance. It's yeah. like a live, you know, again, that's something I tell my students. It's like a performance. It happens one time, even if you're working on the same shot or redoing the same shot, like a stage play, it's going to always be a little bit different. Yeah. And I, and I like that. Um, and it's, it, it, in some ways, it, it just means that I'm not patient about it, and I'm just, I'm just going in. Yeah. You know? And uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, there was a, I think Nick Park is the one who had like a great quote that I'm going to butcher right now, but it was something to do with like, um, he said like, uh, that somebody asked him how much you get done in a day. You know, you work all day and how much you get done. And I think he said something like two and a half seconds or something. And they were like, yeah. Good lord, it takes you all day to do two and a half seconds. And he was like, yeah, but what a two and a half seconds. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, he didn't say no, Lord is my partner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, you know, just like, and I think that's the thing is like, because I get the same thing and I don't think anyone who who's met me or who's met Musay would call either one of us a, a patient person in yeah. particular. Yeah. But I think 
it's more like what's it worth to you like if if yeah. animation is not magical to you mm. then yeah you probably are like yeah fuck it this seems like a waste of time but if yeah. but the level of excitement that i have in seeing two seconds of animation yeah it seems not only totally worth it but just like fuck i, I can't imagine doing anything but, else and accountants are fucking patient Right, but yeah. going going back to that, that's why I'm bus drivers are fucking patient. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the, <laughs> um, but going back to that crossroads of of you know of of the Cosby Show of that original special is that at some point they made the right decision to staff at least the key animators with people who understood exactly what you and say just said, like yeah. understood like exactly yeah. what makes animation special, and that um, uh, I think that there is this there is a line and having come from live action in hollywood we and i especially looked at animation as like the redheaded stepchild of entertainment that there was just a button you pushed and suddenly animation came out of a hole somewhere yeah um or that it's lesser somehow that and it's, it is that it's yeah. worth less uh, for See, children I think that still is very much a part of the industry i think that that philosophy and they may not come out and say it i think that it that is still very much how people think about animation. We're, I'm, I'm, I'm wrestling with a project right now with a major studio, and they, um, I have to tell you that the majority of my communication with them lately has been about educating them on animation not being this like this afterthought or this kind of thing. Like right. literally, I'm working with this executive who's amazing. I've known him for a long time, but he. Um, he brings up phrases that really feel like, well, we're just not really an animation studio, you know? And I yeah. think in his mind, he's thinking the Simpsons or South Park. Well, everyone's always you know. looking. I mean, that's our, our biggest trap is our marketplace. So, like, the, the, the biggest trap of animation is that uh, to do it well, it costs some money. Yeah. And the way that they figured out how to make money from it is is making films for children. Yeah. And so when everyone's looking around trying to figure out, uh, you know, what's an animated film, there's just not enough examples for them of, of a film that makes money. That's not for children. It's a, it's a harder ask. And so like the, most people aren't thinking very much about any of this stuff. So, <laughs> so no, absolutely. And I think it, that's, what's hard about, you know, doing indie animation. And actually I've got, I've got a question for you to say, um, yeah. but I think, you know, I'm gonna hold. I'm gonna hold back my statement and ask you this question, Muse. In your travels of 20 years, not only of being an educator, but in being one of the best animators in the world, is there anything that you've noticed about the industry that that you would like that you would like to see changed? Do you know what I'm saying? Or, or you know, have you ever encountered situations where you're kind of like, "Fuck, I wish the industry as a whole were different," because do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the biggest thing that I, I feel like I, I wish that it were um, sort of the breadth, the breadth and the depth. <laughs> it's hard to say. <laughs> the depth of the medium were more appreciated by people who can pay to m make it. Um, yeah. You know, and I think you know there there is a difference overseas in terms of how it's respected um, and how it's viewed. It's not. In different cultures, obviously, um, it's not viewed as children's entertainment, and um, there's nothing wrong with it being children's entertainment because that is one aspect of what it can be. You know? Right. In the same in the same way that film can be films can be made for kids, 
but somehow films aren't all made for kids. Right. And, and that's okay. Yeah. Um, and I, I wish that there was more understanding of what could be done and, and the potential of animation. Because yes, it's, it's great to tell stories and it's great to do different things, but there just seems like there's an un, un, untapped resource um, in terms of art and entertainment that um, there's a small percentage of people that get that. But I don't think the industry as a whole, or or the culture as a whole in America, um, understands that it yeah. is kids entertainment essentially, <clears throat> well, I... or or it's it's like adult entertainment, right? You know, and, and and like there's a nice bit of you know there's there's room in between for all kinds of things, yeah. You know, um, and and I think that's the biggest thing that that um, that I wish were different um, in terms of very specifically in terms of um, you know the feature world I, I wish that there was more classic 2D animation any classic 2D animation mm-hmm. being made that was my first love I love stop motion I fell in love with it and I don't ever want to stop doing it um, but there's something so special about um, high quality 2D animation that seems missing from the marketplace right mm-hmm, now. Mm-hmm. Um, I, again, I love, I love, uh, CG animation. Um, but you know, a nice feature of really using some of the more digital tools and using some of the, um, just building on the knowledge, you know, we're starting to lose a, gener- a generation of, uh, of animators, yeah, um, and, and that knowledge doesn't isn't <laughs> doesn't grow on trees, you know. And so, uh, you know, as much as I love other kinds of animation, um, I, I I wish there was a place for more two D, r- really nice two D animation in the in the in the American marketplace specifically. Yeah, because I, I feel like it's this. Do you yeah. think that that place is called Netflix? <laughs> No, I'm serious. I mean, have you seen what I mean, they're I mean, snatching I mean, they're up? producing anything and everything, but but in terms of features, I don't know if they're doing. You know, it seems to me like 2D animation is now relegated to TV. Even if it's good, mm-hmm. it's TV. It's good TV animation. Mm-hmm. And I mean, maybe there's other stuff going on that I don't know about. And and I know that 2D animation obviously is still um, practiced and viable in other um, places, but here right. in the states, in turn, it's either commercials. Or it's TV. Yeah. And maybe there's other stuff going on that I don't know about. But But I think that's the... It's a victim of the same exact thing, though, that I was just talking about that animation as a whole is a victim of, which is that, like, people look around and they're like, oh, my God, The Incredibles and Spider-Verse, these are... These movies are incredible. And imagine... I, I actually saw an article when Frozen came out that they were like, Frozen was almost a 2D feature. Can you imagine... What a big, like, missed opportunity and mistake that would have been. And I wanted to be like, you have no fucking idea what you're talking about. Like, that is, if you think that it being CG is why it made a lot of money, you should fucking be fired from your job. But I wonder if that was the same person who said Anomalisa was rotoscoped. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And I was like, how the fuck are you going to rotoscope stop motion? What the fuck's the matter with you? Right. You know the thing that always surprises me, and I, I worry about whether this is happening in other. Rob, well, we might have talked about this, but whenever I read an article or see a news report about animation, so much of what they talk about is wrong. Yeah. 
And then I'm wondering, is that happening for every subject? Yes. And I just only know about the anime. You know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? probably, like, right? Absolutely. Like, it, yeah. so much of it is wrong or just misunderstood because right. of what it takes or the process or the, you know. Yeah. And then when I see other news stories, I, I, I think, well, surely they did their research and they got it right, but they're not doing it. I'm doing their research about animation. Why would they do their research about, you know, physics? Or I, I, I watch stuff like award shows and stuff when animation comes up. And I feel like this is this is basically our industry. It's just yeah. we're one tangent of this industry, but it's the same industry. How do they have it so wrong? Like how? Yeah. yeah. How do you have this celebrity go up, talk about a movie that they were involved in and be so fucking wrong about everything yeah. about it? Like. Uh, it's it's a it's a bummer. Maybe because animation is not just a trade; it's a culture. It's a thing that you yeah that you get rolled in, and it stays yeah. on your clothes. And you, I don't know, because I feel like one tape thing, record Ducktales and well, listen right, to it because in your all you and Musay's story feels you know I'm not a creative like you guys, but it feels you know similar to my story. But my point being is that. Uh, one thing I, I always marvel at, no matter what studio I go to, is you walk into a fabrication shop, either character fab or set fab, and they all look identical. Like from Stupid Buddy to Bix Picks to Leica to Bent Image Lab to Ardman um, and even Screen Novelties. They're every or or I mean I mean fuck just fabrication or walking onto a stage where you've got black duvetine yeah. everywhere. Mm-hmm. There's something that feels like home. Every time I walk into a stop motion place and it, it feels like there's a shared understanding, especially among stop motion, but in animation in general, if you're not part of that family and you haven't been like made, you know, um, it feels like it's really challenging to understand the shape and all the nuances of animation from the outside. And I would agree with that. I just saw, I think there's also just a, a sense of, there's just a lack of wanting to. Well, there's that. You know, um, well, I, you know, I found even even other people, and you know, not to lump everybody into one thing, but it, whether it's film or even just other types of animation, people tend to not quite get stop motion, which is it's um, hard for me to understand in a lot of ways because it's it's just live action, smaller, yeah, and, <laughs> and slower, you know, and, <laughs> slower, exactly, yeah, yeah and. and and for some reason, all the thought and the belief and the understanding about what it takes to put a project together flies out the window when people start talking about stop motion. Right. And think that it's like, it's just something you do in your garage. Yeah. But, and it can be that, and it's wonderful when it's that. Right. But that's not all of, that's not all it is. Yeah. And, you know, there we're professionals just like any other, you know, any other industry, any other art form, you know, it's like it takes time, it takes talent. Rule of three still applies. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, so okay, so I don't want to. Uh, I want to make sure that we get this in before we run out of time with Musay here. Um, one of the one of the things that um, okay, uh, Musay's talked a little bit about his history, um, and also you know we've we've talked about his career a little bit as a as an instructor and also as an animator. Um, but, oh boy. but, oh boy. Uh, but, uh, you know, no, but one, of, one of the things that I think is important to bring up, especially in a podcast about indie animation is that, um, his job is a male escort. Yeah. No, uh, Musay is, Musay is a director. Another thing that, that kind of, that 
I feel like we have always, um, I don't know, related to about is that a lot of people, uh, in our industry, um, are very specialized and, 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 and want to be that it's, it's not any kind of any judgment or any other thing. There's, there's people that want to do a, uh, a specific thing and they're really talented at it and that's what they want to do. Um, and I think there's animators in that category where there's animators that really, they want to animate. That's what, and I think, um, at least for me, probably maybe me more so than, uh, Mousse is that for me, animation is something that I like doing, but it's, it's always been a means to an end. Uh, and the end was that I wanted to make animated stories. You want to be a storyteller. Um, and, and, uh, Actually, I have to loop in a, a compliment to Musse right now because uh, we'll miss it otherwise, which is that uh, a lot of stop motion animators are uh, really good um, and they fit into the, uh, uh, I don't know, the pipeline of stop motion um, and can take on various styles and Musse can do that stuff. But one of the things that's always struck me about Musse is being someone that came from a 2D animated background. There is a 2D or cartoony or classic animation sensibility that he can have in his work that other animators cannot. So you'll, you have a lot of animators that can do the kind of, um, you know, kind of Nightmare Before Christmas or Harryhausen kind of animations. Mm -hmm. Um, I think one of the things that I've always admired about Musse's work is that there is, he can do a cartoony thing in stop motion that nobody else can do. So that's, I just want to put that on the table. Um, thank you, sir. Yeah. Uh, but, but, uh, but also I, you know, Musse, um, is in addition to teaching and, and, uh, and working, um, is also, uh, always trying to do his own work on the side. He's got, um, a small studio that he runs and does small projects through. So I wanted that to be kind of a lead in Musse to you talking a little bit about that side, the more indie side of, of what you do. Wait, I'm learning all this in real time. Wait, what the fuck? You have your own studio? Trevor and I never fucking Wait, talk. what? I know. We, we're like a up. married couple that never talks. Musay's getting on the phone. Pick up the mic. Yeah. Wait, 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 wait. Hang on. I'm playing catch up here. Wait, you have you have a facility uh, uh, at your place, at your house? I do. It's not at my, it's not at my house. It's, uh, I have, uh, you know, a studio that I rent. And... Um, yeah, I've got a, a little stage and I got a little office area where I do pre and post production and can have meetings and stuff. And yeah, it's um, what the fuck? Yeah, it's uh, it's it's right here in uh, South Pasadena. Wait, it's wait not so my it, house, but it's it's close. Right, but okay. So in between uh, being a full time animator and being a college professor, you have uh, you have launched your own animation business. How how long have you had the studio? How long have you had this uh, this going on? Uh, I think. The first project, I I actually got the the studio to finish a project from school, and I needed wanted to finish a a project that I was working on at school, and, and found a studio space near in, in my neighborhood, and um, and then I had the space, and the producer that I had interned for when I was in in grad school at CalArts remembered me, um, and knew that I did stop motion, and she's looking for a director for a project. And so, um, luckily I'd had the space. So 
I've had this space since I think late 2011. Oh dear. Um, yeah, and so uh, yeah, when I'm not when I'm not working on you know a project at another studio, I um, I work on things um, in my studio. So and, and where's fabrication? Uh, you you have other folks put stuff together for you, and you just shoot and do post in your location, or are you also fabricating costume? You know, fabricating depends. everything. Depends. Depends on the size of the, the project, but yeah, I've, I, I've had people come in and do fabrication. I've also, um, ha, you know, had people build stuff and bring it into the studio. So it just depends on the size of the project and what's what's required. It's not a don't have a huge fabrication area. So um, if it's you know if there's a lot of chemicals or if it's a big set or something like that, odds are it's being made somewhere else and brought in. Um, but. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, it, it, is your most recent piece you did? Did you you directed a piece for? Is it Disney? The stop motion um, piece where it was an ensemble. It was an ensemble of different characters. Um, I, I was just an animator on that one, and and I actually should say that um, uh, I should do a slight correction. I'm not really a full time animator anymore. Most of the work that I do at this point is um, is directing or animation supervising. So I do get to animate on those projects from time to time and then also I'm also just hired as an animator for different projects but I'd say it's probably about um, a third of the work that I've done in the last few years is just as an animator but but will you get deployed into the battlefield as an animation supervisor and your job yeah. is to identify and enforce a specific <laughs> animation style. I love how military yeah. you get with it. I know. Yeah. Right? I mean, but I mean, essentially, when you boil it down, that's your job, right? Identify like... and execute troublemakers. <laughs> but, right, I mean, it's your, it's your job to provide consistency in animation across, you know, 11 or 12 or 24 animators on a show. Yeah, again, it, it often depends on what the project is, and every project is a little bit different. Every director works a little bit differently. You know, I've worked with um, directors who have little to no experience as animators, uh, and I've worked with directors who have a lot of experience um, as animators. And so it, it sort of just depends on the parameters of the project. Sometimes it is, yes, very <laughs> militaristic, and, and I'm enforcing a certain style, but a lot of times it's sort of, you know, it's, I think of it more as getting a cohesive look, a cohesive body of work, and getting a group of people to sort of come together um, uh, to make something that seems seamless, so that it doesn't feel like, oh, well, that person definitely did that shot. So it feels right. like it's a, a cohesive thing, and 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 part of it is to um, you know communicate back and forth with fabricators to make sure that things are appropriate for animation. Part of it is to you know, maybe help guide some of the, the newer animators or less experienced animators. Uh, sometimes it's to rein in some of the experienced animators. You know, a lot of times what happens is, you know, experienced animators are, can be really good and sometimes the project doesn't, you don't need them to be that good. Yeah. You know, you don't need them to be super flowy. Sometimes limited animation is the way to go. I'm a big proponent, big fan of less is more. And so... Um, I, I like holding characters still, <laughs> and I think sometimes you have to rate, especially people that maybe come from features uh, where you're used to like just characters got to be breathing all the time. Yeah, there's just not the time, or or 
the money, but sometimes it's just not the artistic choice of the project. Do you feel like some, do you feel like sometimes you have to call people names to get them to to understand? Almost constantly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you mean like sweetheart or babe, like Hollywood names? No, I was like, hey, take <laughs> or like it easy, Philly name. Take it easy, dinosaur. <laughs> oh, for old for old anime. Well, okay, so I've I've got a question. Uh, uh, I'm gonna role play for a moment, Muse. Is that I'm in, um, you know, I, I, I I'm in college. I'll probably be graduating soon. I'm an animation major. Should I try to penetrate? the animation industry and get a job. So, and when I say penetrate, I mean, it's like a bubble. Oh, I, I know what Hollywood, penetrate means. You know what Trevor. I'm saying though? <laughs> I think it's a very effective word in terms of like how fucking hard it is to break into the industry, whether it's live action or animation. Yeah. So if I were a student and I, and I was, and, and I said, okay, well, Muse, I trust you, uh, as my professor and as an animator and as a director, should I, put my resources into opening my own small studio and try through word of mouth to get like, you know, small Instagram animations and build up a body of, you know, clientele. Or should I try to join a larger institution and hone my skills and try and elevate my credibility by working on larger projects? Do you know what I'm saying? Like if you were forced into an answer, what would, what do you, what do you think you would tell that? You know, I think think it's tough because again, sort of like every project, every person is different and so uh, it's one again it's one of the things I actually do tell my students it's um, I can't always give you all the answers part of what I'm trying to teach is problem solving and I feel like um, that's a huge aspect of filmmaking of life obviously but of filmmaking it's just problems coming down the pike and you got to figure out the best solution that you can at the time and so there's not necessarily a one-size-fits-all answer to Mm. that question and I think it's, it, it can be, I think there are merits to both. I think um, in an ideal world, you'd get to do both because I think you'd get a lot of information from both sides of that equation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, being at a larger studio where people are specialized and maybe there are people that are a lot more experienced than you or sometimes people that are less experienced from you. Sometimes you learn more by helping to teach others what, what they're doing wrong or what they could do better. This is like the Bible yeah. he's reading right now. Oh, was that what that sound was as he opened up the Bible? Yeah, I feel like you're preaching from the Bible right now. <laughs> I feel like that was a really genuine response. That was really like, do you like when you were saying like some of the parameters and, and everyone's different? Like if, if I were that student again and I and I was standing at that crossroad, what do you and I'm sorry, I'm putting you on the spot. What are some of the things yeah. that you might ask me in terms of like to help me decide whether I should pack my bags and move to sun valley or or pack your bags and move down to your mom's basement i know yeah or move to my mom's basement and start animating pipe cleaners um you know i think i think the other thing that i that i'll say is and it's something that i've tried to do in my career is um it sort of gets back to what rob was saying earlier um you know you can't you're not ever going to be able to predict exactly where you go and so I think one of the things that I try to do with my career is treat it the rule of improv, which is yes and, right? And just um, take the opportunities as they come. And some of that is being at the right place at the right time. Some of that is pursuing the right training or, or um, 
um, meeting the right people or knowing how to talk to the right people. Uh, and in my career, it's been a sort of a mix of everything. There's certainly been things that I've missed out on and projects that I haven't been able to get or jobs that I haven't been able to land. Um, but one of the things that I try to do is be ready and open for the next thing that comes along. And, um, you know, I, I think uh, it's always beneficial to work on your own projects, your own stuff, mm-hmm. um, and and learn what that's like to be in charge of a project creatively and and um, budgetarily, you yeah. know, and just and and get that under your belt because that's going to inform if you get a job at a studio, it's going to inform how you can talk to. Uh, the people that are in charge of the creative or the people that are in charge of the budget and understanding that, that side of it. But there's also, you know, again, like I said, it's, there's a real benefit to, to working at a large studio and then getting that information and learning how the system works, making some adjustments and then applying it to your own projects. I think that that's really important. And, I, you know, it just sort of depends on, you know, what... You're never going to be able to. I would have never predicted what I'm doing right now, other than I, that I'm working in animation. I yeah. didn't want to be in stop motion necessarily. I didn't not want to be in stop motion, but I, I wouldn't have thought that. I wouldn't have thought that I'd be. You know, one of the things that I'm doing now, more recently, is I'm actually writing. I've been hired as a writer on on a couple of projects, and I didn't foresee that. Um, and so I just try to be ready for opportunities, be trained and ready and eager and excited about opportunities as they come. Um, and I think, I think that's the key to maintaining a, a long career is being open, being ready and being prepared. And, um, you know, it's okay to change your career midstream. It's okay to want to do something else. It's okay to not want to do animation anymore. It's okay to, do whatever, whatever you're doing, you got to work at it and you got to try and do your best. And as long as you're open and, and, uh, hungry and working towards it, I think you'll be fine. I think sometimes people get stuck in ruts and, and I know that's happened to me too. I'm not immune from that. And you sort of get used to how things are going and then something happens and you got to break out of that. You're forced to break out of that. You're forced to like, oh, I got to rethink how I'm approaching this. Yeah. Um, and I think that's important too. But I, I think it's really about, you know, just um, what is it that you want to do? There's no one way to do this career in animation. Um, it's it do what interests you and do what you like, but be prepared that you may have to tw- change and switch. And, you know, we have, uh, Rob and I have friends from, from school, from undergrad, that you know, got an got internships at the Simpsons when they moved out here for that, and then they their entire career has been at the Simpsons. And amen for them. That's yeah. amazing, uh, and they've made the most of that. What a what a gift, right? And um, but that doesn't happen most of the time. Right. I guess <laughs> right. that's what I'm like, saying when I yeah. say penetrate that bubble. Is that yeah. You know, how many Greyhound bus tickets are bought or airplane tickets are bought to L.A. with folks just geographically trying to get there and get into the industry without, you know, without having to make like uh, without being without laying down roots. And then Mm -hmm. they end up either staying in L.A. and choosing a different career or they return back to their hometown. I mean, it's hard because because it really is like, you know, something that that happens is you have to get in there before you even have a chance to be there. Like you have to, you do have to get in somehow. And I think that 
that getting that first job or whatever really is a huge yeah milestone because yeah. it's not it is a hard thing to do when it you know there's when when people with money have access to people that have done something before it's a yeah. hard sale to get them to get somebody who hasn't done it before yeah and the stakes are so high with animation is that you know the budgets are low the stakes are high there's not a lot of room for error so if you have muscle memory with people you've worked with before oh, yeah. it lowers your yeah. risk oh, of course. oh I, absolutely yeah i wanted Always. to i wanted to add on or highlight something that that was was in musay musay i feel like we've done a rough draft of your like um speech to the graduates of uh cal arts for oh, yeah. 2020 <laughs> right um we'll send you the transcript you yeah. can just read from them um <laughs> I, but one of the, one of the things that I think that you touched on that I that I feel like we should just be highlighting in every part of this podcast is if you're if you're new to animation and you're wanting to get into animation one thing and this is not meant to be a negative thing but something that you should prepare yourself and really ask yourself honestly is uh, how how well do you recover from rejection uh, because no matter who you are there's a lot of rejection in your future and, yeah. and, and, you know, and pr this is probably true with anything that anybody actually really wants to do. I just only know animation and I know that, right. um, a big, a big key to survival is being able to be rejected and to get up and try again, regardless of how many times you get rejected. And I think with art, with, with creative things in particular, I think that can be, kind of a crippling challenge to people and i think you know um you know better to set out with that knowledge you know like i i was i, I was at in, in ottawa this year there was a there was a panel on uh self-distributing your films and one of the one of the greatest people on that panel was she was her short film had gotten um I forget some crazy amount of views on YouTube. Mm -hmm. And when she was talking about her approach, which her specific approach was to really do a crazy blitz in festivals and find out who your audience is and mm -hmm. then do your online release. Was this Kintus? Knowing how your, was that your Kintus audience. Lundgren from, from Eastern Europe? No, 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 no. But she was there. Um, uh, and which I thought was a pretty great approach. But when she talked about it, she said, you know, I, I can't remember the number of festivals that she said she entered, but it was some astronomical number. Mm -hmm. And she said she figured out that her, her acceptance rating was, you know, some, or her percentage was somewhere in like, you know, the 10% or something like that, like one out of 10 yeah. festivals. And this is someone who has like the highest YouTube numbers, you know, right. and, and and at that level to still to to understand that 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 you have to accept that level of rejection and try that many times to get any results was i felt kind of inspired by that that like oh yeah, yeah it's okay you're like yeah this is normal like i'm i'm not the only failure we're all out there failing constantly <laughs> and, and um well I, you know i think there's something really important about um not giving up yeah, uh, you know, I think there's something about being realistic. You know, it's uh, I, I would watch, you know, American Idol and these people that like think that they're going to be the next big star and they get rejected. You know, what what would I feel like if you know I couldn't animate anymore? No one would allow me to animate. 
But those people can go off, they can take lessons, they can learn how to sing. I think anyone can be a good animator. Not yeah. everyone can be a great animator, right. but anyone can be a good animator. It's, it's a skill, it's a craft. Um, and I think, you know, there's something really important about, that's hard, I think, in the sort of instant culture that we have for people to understand that um, it takes time and obviously talent, but it takes time to master something. And, um, you know, like you said, rejection is part of it. I haven't gotten every job that I've applied to. I haven't, you know, um, and sometimes that's really hard, but I still, I've also been incredibly fortunate enough that I've never had to do anything else in my life other than work in animation. Right. right? And so um, I think there's a lot of people that sort of, get a taste of rejection or don't love it enough. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with saying like, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. Um, Cause why would you give yourself a, you know, self-imposed sentence yeah. doing something that you don't want to do, you know, but, but um, you know, I think there's something really important about um, working hard, continuing to learn and sticking with it and, and not letting one or two rejections decide your entire life. Because if you love this enough, if you work hard enough, you will be able to make a living doing it. Um, it's not always easy, you know. Um, and I think, I think sometimes that that line is a little bit hazy between industry and independent animation. You know, I, I think it, it's there's there is a difference, but sometimes it's um, not as prominent as people want to believe that it is. Yeah. I know lots of people that bounce back and forth between indie animation and industry animation. Yeah. And the two coexist and have always coexisted and will continue to. And I think one of the exciting things that we're, that's going on right now is because of places like Netflix, but also YouTube and Instagram, like there's lots of different options that just did not exist before. And it's a, it's, I don't want to say it's a wild west because that's very cliche, but there's a lot of exciting things that are going on and you don't have to work at a studio forever and you can, there are people that make a living on Instagram. Doing oh, I, animation. That's I know, amazing. I know at least two animators that have, that have quit studio stop motion jobs to go work on their YouTube channel. Yeah. I mean, that's not something that Which happened crazy. 30 years Dude, ago. Seriously, like, that's crazy. Uh, okay, and, so, and it's, it's great. So Musay, uh, before we let you go, I just want to yeah. ask, uh, uh, I feel like we didn't talk about me enough. No, so I know. We, I might have to come back. Yeah. And, and you know, we'll, we'll say your name a lot more too. <laughs> Musay, Musay, yeah. um, Musay. Right. So, so it, it, it to kind of like put a, put a bow on it. Um, if you, and this is, I'm asking this because I know that, you're a teacher and you do have, you do talk to a lot of people about this stuff. So I think you're specifically a really good person to ask if you, you, you only were able to give one bit of advice to a future animator. Um, what, what would you tell them? What's the, what's the kind of like valuable thing that you think maybe they're not hearing or, or, or getting from other channels? Hmm. Go. Uh, no push. Lots of eggs. Um, <laughs> lots of eggs. Is that what's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. You know, I, I, 
it's hard because I don't know if there's any one thing. No, and I, mean, I, I, I guess that's not what I'm asking for. So I'm not asking for like only one thing. I'm I'm saying like I'm I'm giving you you get one vote to add to the pile of advice that people are going to get. Mm-hmm. Is there a is there is there something that you'd like to throw on top of that pile? Um, be prepared. Yeah. Be prepared. Uh, and that you can interpret that in a lot of different ways. Be pre- like we were talking about just a second ago. Be prepared for rejection. Be prepared for failure. Yeah. But also make sure that you're prepared when an opportunity comes your way. Yeah. Make sure that you practice. You know, it's 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 real hard <laughs> to. Um, work a full day. If you're already a working animator, it's hard to like work a full day and then come home and do more animation or do writing or whatever. Um, and I don't always do that, but I try to, you know, I, I have a, a a couple of writing partners, but I have one in particular that I, we meet every week or every other week and we work on our own projects that we're, that we're writing. Um, so trying to get prepared for the right opportunity, um, that, that might come our way in terms of what we're writing. Um, so it's, it's, I think be prepared is maybe that's a little bit cliche, but I think it's so important, um, to, to really, um, you know, I'm not the most organized person. I'm, I often feel like I'm not prepared, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I do work at trying to be prepared. Um, um, and I think, I guess, you know, I guess I'm just repeating myself at this point, but, but, um, getting back to what I said earlier, which is the yes and improvisation, uh, philosophy about your career, you, you know, I, you, you just don't know where you're going to end up. Right. And, and, um, and being ready to pivot and, take an opportunity and run with it or, um, you know, change things up in a moment's notice is, it's so crucial. I feel like there've been so many opportunities that I've, uh, that have come my way that if I just said, well, you know, I really, well, all I want to do is 2D animation. Um, then I wouldn't have the career that I've had right. or, you know, um, well, I think a, a really good a really good example is this is the you know the writing that you've been doing. You know, you've yeah. pro- never considered yourself a writer, but you were you were ready to go and you jumped on it as soon as somebody said, "Hey, you want to write on this thing?" You know. Yeah, 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 and 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 it's been great. I've had. I mean, it's amazing. I'm you know, I, in some ways, it's the same excitement that I used to have when I and I still am excited when I that I get to make a living in animation, but. You know, like, wow, I'm someone's paying me to write something? Right. That's amazing. Right. That's crazy. That's incredible. And that writing is an animation effort, or are you writing for live action? I, I'm, I'm writing for animation. Yeah. Yeah. But, I, you know, I, I'm certainly open to it. <laughs> Do you have a project? Right. Bumblebee <laughs> Part 2. Yeah. Well, Absolutely. you know, you Mus- believe it. Musay, I have... Um, uh, I met you in person a few times, so, yeah. so in the flesh, I've really only known you at an arm's length for like four or five years. But I have to yeah. tell you that um, when your name comes up at these raging parties that I go to where everyone just gets completely <laughs> blackout drunk. Party. Yeah. Yeah. Is that when your name comes up. It's like eyes wide shut. <laughs> yeah. 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 We all have masks on. Yeah. 
But the uh, everyone describes you as being warm. Uh, everyone says you're one of the nicest people in the not industry. Not me. Again, not me. No, right now, Rob's totally guilty very, of this one. Make too. it very clear that it's yeah. not Rob. The uh, first thing Trevor's going to say when we stop recording is like, "Why well, he didn't sound like a dick." Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or I'll be like, fuck that guy. Yeah. Um, uh, but but in all sincerity, um, uh, you are you live up to uh, all the rumors. Uh, you're super awesome. Uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, get on the phone with Rob and I and my pig, who's been making sounds throughout this whole fucking podcast. Um, and thank you so much for uh, just being so genuine and... Um, and talking to us and talking to the three listeners that subscribe to this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, I am, I, you have four now cause I've been listening as well. Sweet. So yeah, no, this has been a real pleasure. And I, you know, uh, you know, uh, obviously I was kidding earlier when I said we hadn't talked about me enough, but any other time you guys want me to come back and talk, I'd be happy to do it. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be great. And I when think, you, when you come up thing. to supervise one of the three stop motion pictures that's shooting up here, <laughs> we can do this in person and yeah. we can, uh, uh, we can bring the pig in and now we can bring the pig uh, in for like a minute. Yeah, because because the pig's got heart eyes for raw. I'm telling you, I got so one another another uh, another side effect of being a city boy is that country shit scares the shit out of me. Yeah. So yeah, fucking aggressive pigs is terrifying. I, I've seen the movie. It all I know came what they do with the bodies. Place. It came yeah. from her giant fat pig heart. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs>